Hi guys, this is episode four of Plot Twist, and this week we are going to be talking about some really cool ghost stories um, that happen to be in Utah, where we just were. Yes, Morgan was just wed to her soulmate. I was going to try to think of something like more <laughs> dramatic, but at Zion National Park, um in april so we're gonna talk about zion but more importantly just a a little bit about the wedding yes so janelle was our officiant let's not leave that part out (laughs) i'm so excited podcast um i promise we're gonna get to the supernatural stuff and the cemetery stuff but we'll take a real quick segue to talk about morgan's wedding oh my god it was it was incredible so morgan got married um basically right outside zion national park literally there were canyons in the background it was the most picturesque wedding I've ever been to. It was beautiful, and we weren't too far away from a ghost town. So, like, mysterious, which I knew that when it was happening. Right. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, this is so Morgan, so not only, like, unique and adventurous, but also a little spooky. Mm-hmm. And then Janelle was our officiant and bird wrangler. Yes. So I had to get my – I mean, I'm not – I mean – Excuse me, I'm so sorry. I am a reverend now. I got my <laughs> reverend's officiant's license. So, but prior to that, I was not. So, I did officiate, and the most exciting part of the whole wedding, other than you know more than getting married, was the there was a our little friend Coco, an owl, um, flew down the aisle and actually delivered the wedding rings to me very exciting you seemed like you were a little bit nervous but you held out the little meaty treat and coco eventually came right to you yeah it was amazing and terrifying i had like a real falconer's glove that um coco landed on it was I, I so last year we actually went down and we met Coco and um, the sketchiest thing I think we've ever done together. Yeah, we just went to this guy's house who had all these birds in his backyard. I mean that's what we knew about him prior to that, and we we're like, we really don't know this guy from Adam. But Nick is like the coolest guy ever. We okay at the end of the show I'm gonna um, tell you his Instagram so you can follow him. He is like the bird guy he's He's so cool he is so cool he's so knowledgeable we like went down he gave us his like house address we're going to meet him last year i mean chanel we're so nervous because like you said we didn't know him at all didn't even like we didn't even have a picture of him till the day before because we're like what does this guy look like we were thinking we're gonna meet some like i had no idea how old he was i had no no idea of like what he looked like nothing 
I, we thought we were gonna, was gonna be like some old, <laughs> decrepit, weird bird guy with like white hair who keeps his birds in the basement. At least that's what I thought. That's what I was picturing. So we were well. like te- texting our significant others saying like, hey, we're gonna be here. If you don't hear from us at this time, please like make sure we're not dead. You know, but he ended up being like this very young, handsome looking guy, like young, cool, little bit nerdy when it comes to birds, but like in the best way. He doesn't keep his birds in the basement. So, yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, he has a bunch of birds in his backyard. He had to like hurry up and um, he got all these birds from like a zoo when it closed down. Yeah, the the bird show that at the zoo he was working in ended up closing down during COVID and they didn't have anywhere for these birds to go. So I guess they're like, Hey Nick, uh, (laughs) do you want any birds uh, from the bird show? And I think he took all of them or most of them. I think he did. Yeah. So he basically had to build these bird shelters in his backyard. He had built like perches for them to sit out during the day and he doesn't have a huge backyard, but it is so cool the way that, I mean, the birds are very happy there. They are, they're, houses are little bird houses are amazing not like a bird house i guess i should be clear there's like an actual bird habitat but i mean it is it is the coolest thing coco is the greatest bird um he got a little scared when he went down the aisle they practiced under every condition but there was a blue heron flying overhead and he is coco is scared of blue herons which (laughs) now i hate blue herons it's just like it's a bird of prey that's scared of another bird, you know? Right. <laughs> so he kind of flew to the side a little bit, kind of towards the bridesmaids. Um, <laughs> but then he came back. Uh, Nick totally saved it. He was like, yeah, love is never a straight line. It was like, it was oh my so God, perfect. the recovery, though. Because I feel like it could have been so awkward if nothing was said. No, it was perfect. And so the bird flew, you know, flew to me had the meaty treat yeah oh yeah I had a little meaty treat in my hand so he flew to me got his little meaty treat I got took the rings and then he flew back it was great he did a great job it was amazing yeah and then there's gonna be some amazing pictures of the wedding party and bride and groom with so excited to get them oh my god they're gonna be phenomenal i really hope i get them this week because i can't wait any longer to see some (laughs) of these photos they're gonna be amazing also morgan was like the most beautiful bride in history seriously i'm so excited to see your pictures i know i'm excited too it'll be good but it was very exciting so if anyone needs an officiant janelle charges 500 dollars an hour because she's just that good. And, you know, if you need a bird wrangler. An extra 500 But she'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Not for free. No, not for free. But, no. You know. She already has experience now. Yeah, I'm an experienced yeah, bird. You're, you're experienced <laughs> now. So she's going to charge out the butt. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I'm worth it. <laughs> <laughs> about weddings let's talk about ghost towns so i'm just going to give you um a little quick rundown about grafton uh, the town that we're going to be talking about and then janelle will go into more depth about it so grafton was founded in 1862 and evacuated in, er- in the early 1900s 
thus the ghost town. So many westerns were filmed in Grafton, such as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, Have you ever seen that movie? I'm not much of a western. No, (laughs) I've heard of it, though. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I feel like I want to watch it now. Yeah, we should definitely watch it, but I'm not... I, maybe I will be a Western girl now that I... <laughs> a Western girl! <laughs> yeah, so they used this town after it was evacuated to film a lot of Western movies. Um, it was also a Mormon settlement. It planned to, they planned to grow cotton so you, the Utah Mormons could become self-sufficient. Um, in 1859, five families that had lived in Virgin moved to, Gra- moved to the Grafton area, but the area became flooded. They tried again upstream. I almost said they swam upstream. <laughs> yeah, they swam from their town all the way upstream to try again. Uh, they tried again um, a little bit further away from the previous site in 1862, and they were way more successful. You know, towns don't thrive really well once they've been flooded. Not sure why. Uh <laughs> So they were unable to use the land to farm cotton because of the irrigation. Um, So they needed to leave the area in order to do so. Um, In 1864, the population was 168, which feels like a lot. It does. For the time. Yeah, because a lot of Mormons moved to like Salt Lake City to escape escape religious persecution in the East. So they started there and then kind of moved out throughout Utah and, um, you know, the, like, Nevada, uh, Arizona areas. The surrounding western states. But it seems like um, Salt Lake is still, like, the base for the religion, like, of Mormonism. Right. Yeah, a lot of people stayed there. So, um, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of split from that area and a lot of they they had a lot of towns in this area so it's actually kind of like you said it's impressive that they had 168 people there Mm -hmm. in 1866 grafton was evacuated after disgruntled navajo raiders or as they called themselves the Diné, um they killed some people in the nearby area so this was the time of the black hawk war which went from around 1865 to 1871 so little background here the Mormons in the Virgin River area had colonized um, Nuwubi land, or as they're also called, the Southern Paiutes. And uh, the Navajo people from the south, southern area um, were pushed northward after their land was colonized. The war was basically between um, multiple indigenous tribes, the Ute, Nuwubi, and the Diné, and that was um, against the Mormon settlers. The war began during a discussion between um, some of the Ute tribe and the Mormon settlers while they were trying to settle a dispute after some of the Ute uh, people stole some Mormon cows. But one of the Mormon guys in the crowd was a little drunk and he pulled one of the Ute uh, chieftains from his horse and like pulled him onto the ground. So that kind of spurned some... That is not good. You do not mess with the chief. I know. Yeah, they were like, 
Oh, no. Right. Understandably pissed. Yeah. Because so, tensions were already kind of high. Disrespect. Right. Yeah. So then this guy basically, like, atta- not attacks, but basically assaults one of the uh, chieftains and pulls him onto the ground. So that kind of spurned that whole war. And then there was a lot of... Um, tension between not all but uh, a lot of the indigenous people in the area and the Mormon settlers. Mormon leader Brigham Young at this point ordered Mormons to gather in towns of 150 men or more because he did not want people being like vulnerable during you know the conflict for um, in case of attack. So they left Grafton and they went to some of the um, larger towns in the area, which one of them, the main one that they actually went to was Rockville. This was where Morgan's wedding was oh, actually. Yeah. So when we were, when we were driving So down, they really didn't go very far. No, <laughs> they really did not. It's, so you could literally on the way to Grafton when you're like, be, you're basically behind Morgan's wedding venue. We could see it, the back of Morgan's wedding venue from like the road to Grafton. So it's not super far away. So I actually was curious and I looked up on the Native Land app, which is a really cool app, by the way. You can see anywhere in the nation what, um, like, whose original land this was. So what indigenous tribes lived on the land that you're at. And so in, in, in Grafton, um, the Southern Paiute or Nuwubi tribes and the Pueblos lived in that area. Which, oh, that's really interesting. Isn't that cool? Like, you can look up, like, literally anywhere. That's awesome. So... What's in, the app called? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Native Land. So you just, like, basically put in, like, the address where you are. Oh, you could just put in the address? Yeah. I just put in the ad- address. I just put in, like, Grafton. Mm-hmm. And then it shows you, like, a really cool map of, like, where the different tribes lived. So... And then, but it shows you specifically on the point that you drop, like the list of tribes that lived in the area. Cool. That's really cool. It's really cool. Um, so in 1868, uh, the settlers moved back into Grafton. They felt it was more safe. Um, they had been, in the meantime, between um, the time that they had moved out, actually been still tending to their crops. So they were in, they lived in Rockville, but they would come every day to I just spit <laughs> to tend their crops in Grafton and then they go back home to Rockville so they still had a good farmland yeah farm farmstead I don't know a good agricultural bustle oh that was good that was good. <laughs> was it and so it was kind of an easy transition to come back in 1906 they finished a 20-mile canal from the settlement of Hurricane. So a lot of the Grafton residents moved to Hurricane since they had more access to water. After people moved out, there soon wasn't enough children to fill a school. And as other areas got more electricity and more access to potable drinking water, there wasn't as much pull to live in Grafton because they, you know, they relied heavily on irrigation. And it was hard for them to get electricity out there. So it was, you know, a lot of people moved into more populated cities. The last resident left in 
1945. So in Grafton now, my husband and I went and visited a couple days after the wedding, and there are four buildings there. There's like a schoolhouse and a church that is built on, so it's made of adobe, and it's on a lava rock foundation, which is like kind of cool. I didn't know they had lava rock out there. Yeah, so actually when me and John went on that helicopter ride, um, you can see from the air, which we probably passed Grafton while up in the helicopter, they pointed out to us there were active volcanoes like millions of years ago where you can see a lot of like um, that black lava rock that's left behind. And you can see where it was from the air. It kind of looked like a butt. Like it had like, <laughs> it had like, it was, you know, like kind of like a big hill and it had caved in on each other forming two butt cheeks. But, but... <laughs> and then but with two teeth <laughs> um yeah there's actually quite a lot in that area that so they could really probably have harvested the the lava rock and bring it over there that is so cool because mm-hmm. it was right um very very close to where our venue was was this oh you know dormant volcano that is so cool. Mm-hmm. You would drive past it going in and out of that area. Like, if you were to drive to Zion Park from any of the n- neighboring towns, you would go past it, and you would probably see that the geology changes from, like, that red rock. Then all of a sudden you see black rocks. It was very similar to the landscape of Iceland. I don't know if you noticed it passing on the road. I did not, actually. Yeah. But I feel like you don't notice it until you know, and you're like, oh, okay. Wow. Okay, that makes a lot more sense then, because I was, like, totally shocked that they even had access to that. The more you know. (laughs) (laughs) So there were also three other homes there. Uh, the Alonzo H. Russell home, Louisa Marie Russell, and the John and Ellen Wood home. So the, the homes are all really cool. They're actually in pretty good condition. There's one home that you can actually walk into. Uh, it was pretty bare. It's a small, it's about, there's two rooms. The thing that really struck me about it, though, was the ceilings were so low. My husband is about six feet tall. And he didn't, okay, first of all, he did not want to come in the building. I don't know what he was so afraid of. I feel like he thought it was going to collapse underneath him when these have been here over 100 years. But for some reason, he thought this was going to collapse on him specifically. But I made him come in there because the ceilings were so low. And I have a picture of him. And he's like, you know, the ceiling is not much, not far above his head. So the ceilings are just above six feet tall, which is really interesting, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's really cool to me how well-preserved they are. Um, There's a Grafton Heritage Society that takes care of it, and they've done a really good job um, of keeping these buildings uh, standing. And also, the majority of the information that I have, that we have from this section on Grafton, is actually from the plaques alone. They have a ton of information at the plaques at the site. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the cemetery, because that's really what you came here for. Burials are from 1862 to 1924. And Janelle has some really cool pictures when, from when she was there um, that we'll be sure to put on our Instagram for you to check out. 
So 74 to 84 graves exist. Many headstones may be missing, though. Which brings up my question. What was my question? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> slightly embarrassing, but, like, did people steal any of them? Or were they just lost to time? But that's, like, a big thing to be lost to time. A headstone. Like, how does that just get lost in time? It's a massive, you know rock it, so it's it's kind of interesting because a lot of the headstones in the grafton cemetery are actually made of wood or they're like they'll have the original um headstone but they'll have an additional um headstone as well that's a more updated one. Oh, so they were of wood some of them. Some of them were wood, some were stone. Because I, I could see the wood ones getting lost in time, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But also, were they, I mean, it's very possible yeah. that some are stolen as well, though, because there are, there's way less than 80 um, gravestones there. Yeah, I'm just wondering if someone was like, ooh, um, this is a graveyard no one's looking after. Maybe I could just take myself a little trinket. A little treat. A little trinket. A little treat. Um, I feel like I'm going to have to look this up. Like, you know, people collect weird things. <laughs> Is there, like, a weird collector's market for old tombstones markers? I feel like that brings up, uh... I don't see a problem with it. Well, that's the thing. I feel like this is, is going to be, like, a problem for us. Like, this is going to be... A temptation for us. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up on eBay. Like it's very dark. It's very dark. I wouldn't want my gravestone stolen, but very I mean, a rabbit hole for sure. But people collect things from like mortuaries. That's true. So I don't know. It was just a thought, and I'm probably going um, really far off the rails here. But it's a good thought. It's a good question. Um. But yeah, so some of the headstones may be missing. Could be because they were wood. I could see that getting lost in time. Or maybe somebody decided to come by with their truck and load up the back because maybe maybe they were made out of marble and they were like, this is valuable. Let's just take all these headstones. I don't know. But I want to know. Mormons and Southern Paiutes are buried here. They lived and worked together in Grafton. Um... So that is where they were buried. Remember the Black Hawk War? We talked about it earlier, if you remember, to what Janelle was starting with in the beginning of the episode. She mentioned the Black Hawk War. <laughs> so lots of tension between the Navajo and the Mormons. The Navajo killed two ranchers and took cats. <laughs> I tried to say that right. Mormon militia killed the Navajo. Navajo killed Barry family who were traveling home towards Berrysville, the Berry family who lived in Berrysville. Um, they are buried in Grafton. It was a county seat at the time, so they were brought, I guess since they weren't, like, killed in a specific town, they were brought to Grafton because that was the county seat. So that's why they're buried there, even though they did not live in Grafton. That makes sense. 13 people died in 1866. Diphtheria took six. Scarlet fever took two. Three were killed by Navajo raiders. Two, swing accident. One, unknown. 
the cotton mill was no longer in use. Kids made a swing. Parents didn't like it, but the kids continued to use it. Welp. Too dead. <laughs> that is, like, so horrifying. I went, when you're, they have a list, basically, of these 13 people on the placard, and it doesn't really give you any information on the placard specifically. It's just, like, has their name, and they were, like, swing accident. They were 13 and 14. Which, Little old to be playing on a swing. I, I was still on the swings at 14, <laughs> let's be honest. But, like, imagine. <laughs> well, so the parents didn't that. like it, but who built the swing? I'm guessing the kids, but maybe it was, like, a parent who's, like, a – or, like, you know, the cool aunt was, like, I'm going to build you guys a swing, but didn't think about that it was a death trap. What did this swing look like? Because I'm just having a hard time understanding how two fairly older kids died from a simple swing. I know. I tried to find, like, any kind of picture of the mill or anything, but I couldn't find – I couldn't find anything, which I'm just like you. I mean, like, what was it hanging over a cliff? Was yeah, it, was it hanging over a cliff? Was it made out of glass? <laughs> um, I mean, it must have been like a horrible accident for these kids to have died on. Because the kind of swing I'm thinking of, it's like the kind you'd find in a playground, right? But this is 1866, so. Was it like a seesaw? Like maybe they thought swing was a seesaw? I just don't understand unless like it broke midair. Which I, I guess I'm, I'm blew off. picturing that. But like I don't know how far you could fall. I've seen some pretty hillbilly swings in my day and swang on some swang. <laughs> You're turning into a hillbilly swang. A swang. I have used some pretty hillbilly swings in my time that have swang. been like over some swangs. <laughs> That have been over some, like, dangerous, I don't want to say cliff, but, like, some deep embankments or, like, water that may be shallow. So I guess I can see something like that happening, but I'm just really having a hard time picturing it. Hmm. This will be a mystery that we will never be able to solve. The mystery of the swine. This is bothering me because I have not been able to stop thinking about this since I went there. Is like... This swing accident is just so Maybe tragic. the kids were just doing something really stupid on it. Maybe they weren't sitting on it. Maybe they were standing on it and jumping off it. That's true. And like fell and directly on their head and broke their neck. That's true. Considering that was a thing when I was young. But you would think if the first sibling died on the swing, why didn't the parents get rid of the swing? That's why I'm thinking it was a singular accident. Like I wonder if the, the – my sister and I – used to like sit on each other when we were on the swings because we you know we couldn't possibly let the other person just have the swing to themselves you know siblings are like that so i'm wondering if they were sitting on the swing together it was too heavy and then somehow but for them both to not die at the same time seems very like unlikely i just think that we are fortunate to not live in the late 1800s because we would not have made it to adulthood with all the stupid things that I've done in my life as a child and the fact that we have modern medicine and you know sturdy playground equipment I'm just very blessed maybe it's like 
you know, back then, they were in the middle of nowhere. Where are they going to find a doctor? Your kid breaks a leg. Okay, so kind of veering, not veering off track, but I'll give you a little description of what it was like. Um, so living out east, obviously away from a lot of deserts, this is a very, very different cemetery than anything I've experienced before because it's all pretty much like there's no grass. It's very, very typical desert. It's beautiful. There's some like some hills, canyons behind it. Um, but the graves are a little bit raised. Just a lot. Um, there's kind of almost, I don't know if it's, you know, that they're buried a little bit more shallowly or you know, if it's I time. I think that maybe it would be because the ground would be a lot tougher. That's true. It'd be very hard to dig six feet in this kind of uh, environment. Um, there was a lot of different types of stones, which I found really interesting. And like I said, that there were some like very, like not some very basic um, headstones that were basically just like a, a carved rock. And then they, a lot of them had been replaced by more, more elaborate graves, like gravestones. I think that this is beautiful. I mean, it does. Um, it is a little bit creepy when you're, when you're used to seeing like those cemeteries full of lush grass, mm -hmm. trees, wooded areas, paths. It does very much scream death. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. all cemeteries do, but it just feels less welcoming, I guess. Yeah. Some of the graves are just basically kind of like crumbling stones, unidentified stones that they weren't able to, um, to salvage. And like I said, there's some, there's some wooden ones and some more modern looking ones. But my favorite one is one that's, uh, for someone called Cedar Pete. So it's a basic old, I mean, it's, it's a nice, simple stone headstone, but then they put a little bit more of a, I guess, a more recent one that was kind of like hammered into tin that says Cedar Pete, which I just, I just imagine like an old prospector. Ooh, yes. Like I just, Cedar Pete. Yeah. <laughs> I want to meet Cedar Pete really bad. So, yeah. And some of them were, so there's some, um, Southern Paiute, uh, Nuwuvi people that are buried here. Um, one, one is named Puss, but, um, <laughs> but it's, um, which is interesting. I will say the one thing that really bothers me about this is that, um, in the original wooden, um, grave markers, they are marked as, um, IND so that they are marked as like Indian which I just think is like strange and like you know like did you have to like put that but at the same time it is nice that they were able to in this time of tension and war between you know indigenous people and the Mormons that they were able to um that there were new movie people and Mormon people who were able to you know coexist work together live together Die together. Die together. Yeah. I think... Well, because you don't see that here. Yeah, yeah. Very often. True. Usually, it's like 
unmarked graves or just separate, like, mm-hmm. burial grounds. It's cool that they were all kind of able to accept each other and work together. Coexist or co-death. Co- 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 <laughs> Coexist or co-death. That was good. Um, so... I'm going to be totally transparent here. I did not feel any sort of um, supernatural presence when I was there. But I will. And I think that there were, this is maybe because of a couple factors. There were a couple factors that influenced this. Number one, that there was a paintball game going on like 400 meters away in the desert. So there's that. Also, there were multiple other people there. And a third factor was that my husband left our rental car running and unlocked. Like, I mean, it was it was fairly close, but he was like, "It's it's too hot. I don't I don't want the car to get hot." Okay, well, the whole time I was thinking like, this is gonna be just our luck that someone's gonna come drive our rental car away with all our luggage in it, and then we're gonna have to explain it to the rental car company. It wasn't even that hot out. No. It was not. It was like in the seventies, maybe eighties. Like we 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 were there probably fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes. Like I don't think it would well, have been. But your husband did not want to go into one of the buildings. I wonder if he had some sort of like feeling. Maybe he did. Maybe I need to ask him. Maybe he was like feeling apprehensive, like a, a presence that I. I don't know. I'm not that intuitive, so I was kind of like, let's go. So maybe, I think I think maybe I'm being too hopeful here because. Possibly. Maybe he was just like, I just have a feeling. However, luckily, I don't know if I should say luckily, but it's more interesting. Um, some other people have um, had some supernatural experiences in Grafton and in the cemetery. Uh, some people have claimed to hear ghostly footsteps in um, in the Grafton buildings or when they step in and feel some breath on the back of their necks. And I don't know. I mean, my husband didn't want to go in the building. Like you said, maybe he... We should ask him. Yeah. Wait, we should bring him down here. All right, this is my husband, Matthew. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, Of course, this is my home. (laughs) So Matthew came to the Grafton Cemetery and the ghost town with me as well. So I just want to ask you some questions about how you felt there. So when we went into the one house, you were very apprehensive about coming in. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. The door opened on its own and the ceiling was lower than my head. It was not lower than your head. It was was the same height as my head. It was. It was. So I forgot about that. The door did open on its own. And then once we went in, the door on the other end also opened to let us out. Oh, yeah. See, this is why I probably would just totally overlook a, a supernatural experience because... <laughs> That's creepy! <laughs> That's right. So what was your feelings when you, when I was standing in the house oblivious to all this and you were standing outside? There's plenty of room outside. I don't have to go in. <laughs> okay. So then when we went to the graveyard, I just want to know, what were, what were your feelings there at the cemetery? Well, it was interesting to read the stone, the, the gravestones to see the things they would put accompanying the names on the stones. Such as? The reasons why they died. Yes. Such as the swing accident or the... That was one of them. 
Okay. What else? Uh, who they were killed by. Okay, yeah. So the point that they were killed by, quote unquote, Indians. Correct. Yes, that was that was quite interesting. It was. We were also talking about the um the Nuwuvi people that were buried there that they um identified as I N D that they had to identify them as Indians. Oh yes, because they're not regular people apparently. <laughs> So um, Morgan brought up something interesting that you did leave the car running while we were there. Did you have any feelings of apprehension about entering the cemetery? No, I just thought that you couldn't walk over into the cemetery, that we were just going to take a picture and leave. No, but, but in fact, we were able to enter. We were. There, it was gated, and it did kind of appear like we couldn't enter, but we did enter. It was. The gate lifted. Yes. Automatically? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish it was automatically like the door. And all of the walls floated up into the sky and disappeared. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about from our experience? I'm, I'm happy to have shared the experience with you and to have seen something that is as truly unique as Grafton. Wow, that was deep. You're welcome. I also want to ask you um, about, so the drive there was kind of interesting. Because um, yeah. he was the driver and I was the passenger. But Yeah, and Janelle was laughing at me for saying about 10 times that I'm glad this is a rental car and not my own car. Yeah, so tell, tell us a little about the roads. It was all dirt. And very rocks. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of dust. It was not like a well-paved road back there. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for being here, Matthew. Of course. Anytime that I'm home. So, also, in 1927, there was a 12-year-old girl who was playing um, in the area. So, this would actually be well grafted and is still, like, minimally, minimally um, populated. So she was playing and she claims to see the ghosts of the two girls who died on the swing. I don't know if I believe that. Well, I feel like she knew people died on the swing and she wanted attention. She's 12. She, what, she's 12 and they died in 1866. So she, how would she even know what the girls looked like, first of all? so That's true. Right. So I think you're, I think you're correct. So some people have also reported sounds of babies crying, children laughing, and like terrified screams at the cemetery on cloudy evenings. Unfortunately, it was neither evening nor cloudy. Hmm. But some people also say that they saw a weeping woman in a calico dress in the cemetery that they tried to like walk towards her and she disappeared. Hmm. Yeah. I always have trouble with these reports too because I'm like, I don't. You never know. Like, people just say, do people just say this stuff? I don't know. I feel like I'd have to see many reports of this to feel like there was some validity there. Right. But our experience with the doors in the house, which I totally forgot about, that, that was actually, that was kind of weird. That is very weird. I did chalk it up to the wind, but now that I hear him say that back, it was actually kind of strange like were the doors fully shut they were not fully shut but they were they appeared shut and the only reason i realized that they were open and i was able to access the building is because the one swung open and the timing was actually really weird too because it was as i was entering and as i was exiting so. so next we're gonna segue into our story about Hog Allen. So Hog Allen, his real name was Albert Smith. 
S. Michael Chamberlain wrote a poem based on stories about Hog Allen he had heard as a boy. A homesteader with a hunger to own as much land as possible in what is now known as Zion National Park. He overlooked the southern part of the North Fork country and claimed it as his own. He was known for his way with oxen and hogs. The hogs became very numerous in the area. <clears throat> Excuse me. The hogs became very numerous in the area. This is where he got the name Hog Allen and where the area of Hog Hogs Heaven got its name. So Hogs Heaven is kind of like the area I think the best way that I can like identify it is it's like the area kind of like at the end of the Narrows. Mm-hmm. And he spent a lot of his time exploring the canyons and the Narrows. And so there are, are a lot of slot canyons in this area of Zion. Um, the Narrows is a slot canyon, although it's quite a bit wider than a lot of the other slot canyons. Some of them are like very, like one person can go through, mm-hmm. but sideways. Like some of them are very, very narrow. The Narrows isn't actually that narrow. No. Regardless, exactly. it's a very popular hike in Zion National Park. It's probably like one of the top two hikes you hear about. You hear about the Narrows and you hear about Angel's Landing. So we actually had to make the decision when we were there last May which hike we wanted to do. And for two reasons, we chose Angel's Landing. One of those reasons was there's a bacteria that they regularly test for in the Narrows that's in the water that's like this brain-eating bacteria, it was probably fine. It just said they had higher levels, right? Right, and that's pretty typical. But, like, hundreds of people hike the Narrows every single year, probably thousands. Yeah. So it was probably fine, but we I'm We were overthinking freak. it. Yeah, we were, very, we were very anxious about that sort of thing. Yeah, we watched too many, like, medical things. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to mess with that. And then the second reason was, and I shit you not. You need to bring. So the Narrows is, I don't remember how many miles long, but it, you don't have to do the entire thing. A lot of people don't. But if you do the entire thing, it's going to take probably half of your day. Yeah, it's at least six hours for a fast hiker. It yeah. You're actually hiking through the Virgin River. So you're hiking like against the current for a lot of it. You have to rent gear like... I mean, you can bring your own, but the majority of the time you should rent gear. Mm-hmm. So it's like a big endeavor and you really can't like branch off of it because it's in a slot canyon on yeah. the river. So there's not really any path. There's no way to get out of the water. You just need to walk through it. There's no like getting out and going a different way. If you want to stop and head back, you can. But back to shitting. They will tell you that you need to bring in a bag. And if you need to take a dump, (laughs) you need to do your business in the bag. Well, there's really nowhere else, like, unless you wanted to poop right in the water, which Which they don't, they do not want you to do that. That's why you need to bring in a bag. You have to carry your poop out in your backpack. So that was a little bit of a turnoff for us. Yeah. It, those two reasons, mostly the pooping one, I don't know why, because I've never felt the need to have to poop on a hike. But when the opportunity, like when the option, like I have to think about, oh, what happens if I do? I have the shame. Yeah. That's comes- like the one time we'd have to go during a hike. 
the shame of having to, there's nowhere to hide. Like there, it would be nowhere for you to go behind something to take a shit. You would just have to do it in front of everybody else hiking. And this is a popular hike. And it's the same with urinating as well. If you need to pee, like there's not like, I mean, you, you could hide behind like a rock or something, but it's still kind of like a, it's a, it's a, a sensitive area for myself. But just think of the shame of having to carry out a bag of poop with you. Let that sit for a moment. And people, so many people do this hike. So I guess it's not a big deal for everyone else. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, and I didn't want to see anybody taking their log out of the canyon. (laughs) I didn't want to see it. So for those reasons, we decided to do Angel's Landing instead. But a lot of people do the the Narrows. It's very, very popular. Um, yeah, so in that, like I said, so that I guess would be kind of like a slot canyon. Yeah, it's technically considered a slot canyon, but. Um, and I'm sure that that is one that he explored. In the 1890s, Hog Allen was working for Watson Lumber and repairing a wagon. He fell and smashed his finger. He blamed the young Watson boy who was helping him. He chased this boy down, but his parents ended up protecting him. Ever since then, Hog Allen had a grudge against the Watsons, um, basically from that day forward. So, this is so childish. He hurt his little finger. Oh, my God. Oh, poor baby hurt his finger. He's going to... Be upset at the boy, just somebody that was around him while he smashed his poor godforsaken finger and go after this kid. This kid thought that Hog Allen was going to kill him. He was that upset. Luckily, he made it home to his mother's bosom and (laughs) everything was okay. They protected him. But Hog Allen was like, I don't know if he was upset because somebody saw him at his weakest point. And, you know, like, he he's now, like, got it out for this family. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I guess the wagon was, like, up on a jack and the jack collapsed. But I, like, don't really know. I mean, I guess it could be the kid's fault. But that's – how do you know? You know, it's kind of a stretch. He didn't break an arm. He hurt his finger. Right. I mean, you don't need all your fingers, right? Did it – did he, like – was his finger ruined for the rest of his life? I don't know. The most the most information we know about this guy, for the most part, is from that poem, which is, like, not super clear because it's, you know. I feel like some of it's a little bit fictional. So I think Hog Allen is a pussy. He said Watson would move away from the North Fork area if it was the last thing he ever did. And sure enough, as you'll see, certain things come to pass. Hog Allen came across Mr. Watson on the road and beat him up because he was taking too long guiding his sheep down the road. Again, so petty. Like, get a grip. Got some serious anger management issues. Then Hog Allen's daughter Amy drowned in a flooded river, possibly a slot canyon, The other thing about slot canyons in that area is when it does start raining, it's very dangerous to be in them because they flood very, very quickly. Um, And you'll die. Yeah, you got to be really careful in slot canyons. There's there's a ton of them. You can just kind of go off-roading and explore in Zion. 
but they really, really advise against it when there is rain in the forecast. Because mm-hmm. it's a one-way thing, baby. Hog Allen, after the death of his daughter, was so devastated, and he threw himself into his work. About two years later, after his daughter Amy died, uh, Hog Allen was celebrating his successful melon crop. And... <laughs> Okay, so Hawk Allen was celebrating his uh, big melons, and he complained of a he complained of a headache, and went to lie down. His, um, according to his son, in like a memoir type thing, his wife went out to get him some something for a headache, and she came back in and. Um, Hog Allen was motionless on the floor, and his nine-month-old son was attempting to ride him like a pony. (laughs) 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 You know how kids do? They're like, oh, you know, um, you know, we're riding on dad's back like a pony. And he didn't realize he was dead. So, and so now the, 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 um... Age-old question, what if I died when there was a child around? They would attempt to ride you like a pony. So How sweet. <laughs> he was 55 years old. So there weren't a lot of undertakers in the area at the time, so they just buried him in a pine box near his home. So if we remember back to him cursing, threatening, whatever you may, the Watsons. Um, around one year after Alan's death, the Watson family was also celebrating their harvest. They would do things like horse racing. The kids would play kick the can, hide and seek. And during the celebrations, one of the Watson boys died after falling off of his horse during a horse race. The next year, another one of the boys mysteriously died while he was playing during these celebrations. They said he went to play out to play like kick the can and they said that they went out to find his body and he had fallen. So then soon after one of the third boys had an accident where he a serious not third serious accident and he survived. So at that point the the Watsons were like, okay, Hog Allen is haunting us from the grave. They thought back to his threats and they finally moved away from the North Fork area. By the next spring after Hog Allen's death, his family had moved to Cedar City since he was no longer there and they could be around more people um, and they could support themselves. They returned to the North Fork area to try and retrieve his body and bring him back to where they now live. So they dug him up, and when they opened the casket, they had discovered that his hair and nails had grown longer. His, and I'll read you a quote from the poem, that his eyes were bloodshot and blue. His uh, limbs looked, or his face looked like as he was grabbing at you. And his limbs were not in the same position as when they buried him. They had been down by his sides, and they were now slid across his body. So his wife freaked out and was like, bury him where he's at. 
I mean, he ugly. <laughs> he is ugly. Put him back where he was. So I think that she was under some kind of impression that he was had moved after death or he had been buried alive since he had so many changes and didn't look the same as when they had buried him. I'm not sure what she thought that her dead husband would look like a year after she had buried him deep within the ground. Yeah, did she expect him to be like the same? They didn't embalm him. They didn't have an undertaker, so it's like he's going to... Was embalming even that common at that time? That's a good question. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know. Your husband's been dead for a year under the ground. Right. He's not going to look the same. But for some... I think she was under the impression that somehow since his body had moved or his hair had grown that he had somehow, you know, been changing or alive after he had been buried. At least she didn't see any skin slippage. Skin slippage. I would implore you to Google this. Do we really want to Google this, though? I bet you any one of our three listeners (laughs) is going to Google this. It's graphic. (laughs) I'm afraid. That doesn't sound nice. No, it's not. It's something that sometimes happens after one dies or has been, you know, maybe someone died at home alone and they're discovered months later. Something called skin slippage sounds, is what exactly what it sounds like. The skin, like I think it's about the first layer of the skin slips off. <laughs> All you crazy bitches are going to look this I up. I know, I know. I'm going to look it up even though I don't want to. I think you should. I think we should get your reaction. I think you should look it up right now. I think you're going to have to pause uh, skin slippage occurs as a result of audiolytic enzyme release of hydrolytic enzymes at the junction of the epidermis and dermis. That's gross. And what does that mean to us lay people, Nurse Janelle? This results in loosening and sloughing of the epidermis. All right, I'm going to look at the images. Am I going to... Re- oh, my... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is exactly what I thought it would look like. And somehow... Somehow... Yeah, it literally looks like the skin is peeling from the body. So, um, maybe don't Google this. If you, but if you do, let us know what you think, because I'm not a fan. Well, at least it wasn't skin slippage that she saw. That's true. That that uh, was very traumatic for me. So, um, that would have been worse. So they ended up leaving Hog Allen buried next to his daughter Amy, and they are now buried at the end of the Narrows hike. I really, really wanted to go see the grave, um, but unfortunately, it's a very, you have to like drive around Zion National Park, and it's like a two-hour drive from Springdale, which is the town that is at the entrance of Zion National Park. So... I didn't have that kind of time. So I wish I could see it, but 
And I'm also not hiking an arrow because I'm scared of the poop, so. Next time. And maybe we'll dig him up <laughs> and see what he looks like now. But before and after, if you will. Let's talk about the science behind the way that Hog Allen did look when his wife dug him up and decided that mm, this isn't for me. I'm just going to run away and leave my dead husband here where he belongs. So the hair and skin had grown. As the skin on the hands dries, it pulls away from the nails and exposes more of the nail, which makes it appear to look longer. When in reality, it's not growing. It's the skin that's starting to to come away. A similar action happens with the hair follicles on the head and beard. His limbs were not in the same position as when they had buried him. Recent studies have shown that the limbs of the body can move after death. Death? The limbs of the body can move after death through the natural decomposition process. Between scavenging bugs and animals, tendons tightening, the bloating of the body, stiffness and relaxing from the rigor mortis, your body is just having a dance party. <laughs> so from this study, it has not really been like replicated yet at the time of publication, but it was interesting because it was on um, a body farm, which is where they are able to use um, deceased individuals with their permission to do studies about how they are, how they decompose. And they had like taken like pictures over time of how they looked in the, their position, which would be so interesting to look at that progression. I would love to see that. That would be real cool. I would love to visit a body farm. I don't think that there are any in Ohio. Death tourism, here we come. It seems fascinating, though. Um, going back to Hog Allen and the way that he looked, uh, the eyes were bloodshot and blue. After death, there is, um, or there are no reflexes of the pupil to light, and the cornea also loses its reflex. The cornea of the deceased also became cloudy after about two hours of death. Bluish appearance is very common. Besides that, the pressure in the eye starts to decrease and the eyeballs become flaccid before they sink into the orbits of the eyes. So like a deflating balloon. Why did you have to say that? Is that, does that feel like an accurate description, though? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. I'm not an eye Janelle person. hates eyes. I do. I refuse to look this part up. I was like, this is going to be your part to research. But I am bravely, very bravely, looking at pictures of the eyes after death. And they like that haziness um, does give it kind of like a bluish tinge. So I can see how maybe that's what she's seeing when she says his eyes were bloodshot and blue. Oh, my God. Ooh. Okay, I didn't need to see that. That's really gross. In conclusion, you're going to look ugly when you die, so you might as well get cremated. 
That's what's happening to me. I'm not risking that skin slippage. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Let's get cremated. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in this week um, to all three of you. Uh, we, appre- <laughs> we appreciate you. Maybe bring a friend next time. <laughs> um, but we'll be back at you in about two weeks with our next episodes. Oh, and I, I actually just want to do a couple of shout outs. Um, number one is to our friend Alexis. She actually recommended Grafton Ghost Town for a um, a topic for us when she knew that we were going to Zion for Morgan's wedding. So thank you, Alexis. Yes, thank you, Alexis. Um, the other shout out is to my friend Joe, who um, <laughs> pointed out that on episode two, when I uploaded it, there was seven minutes of solid dead air. So... Uh, thanks, Joe, for helping me fix uh, all my issues. So, Thanks, Joe. You're cool. Okay, and please follow um, our friend Nick on Instagram. Nick Harris, he is the Birdman um, at Longwing SLC, L-O-N-G-W-I-N-G-S-L-C. Uh, you can find a really cute video of Coco taking a bath and also his morning routine, and he like shows you the backyard um where all the birds live and how they like how they all get settled in the morning and if you don't follow him we'll know because yeah. there's only about three of you right so you know we're gonna look if he has we're gonna we're gonna look and if he doesn't have any more followers we're gonna come for you yeah so watch out or you too might have slippage <gasps> i'm sorry that was a deep threat and i take it back you might also fall off this So this being our fourth episode, we're going to start adding some bloopers to the end. So make sure you watch. That was stupid. That's a blooper. Make sure you listen (laughs) to the end to hear what we have to share. And this time it's a doozy. Someone almost dies. Uh, Hog Allen was celebrating his successful melon crop. And... (laughs) (laughs) Wow, look at those successful... Died. My friends will keep my throat like a slug. <laughs> if you have any ideas for future topics or things you want to hear about, um, just go ahead and DM us on Instagram. It's um, at official underscore plot twist. And if you want to stay on top of everything we're doing, uh, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe, guys. <laughs> Um, so resources are in the show notes and, um, music credit to Matthew Modena. Thank you, Matthew Modena. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next time. Bye.